0: what's good this is kelsey founder and fearless leader of dope you are zoned in for an episode of soberpreneur a look at what happens when we deal with our past shit talk openly about that shit and go do other awesome shit In today's episode, you'll get to meet Patrick, executive director of an awesome mental health nonprofit. He lays down some tips for staying grounded through tough times, sheds light on life as a therapist, and even gives some seriously solid advice, useful to diffuse arguments in relationships both at work and at home. Patrick, thank you so much for joining me. I'm really excited to have you on here. It's a special episode of Soberpreneur uh, in a series this month for Mental Health Awareness Month, which is like our thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting. And this is officially my first podcast.
0: Oh man, we have a podcast new, but it's okay. I was yeah. one like a month ago, so <laughs> two months ago. Yeah, I just got this started in January. Um, you know, if you like having conversations with people, podcasts are a great thing um, to do and to listen to. So uh, it's a neat kind of, I don't know, I can't really say new medium anymore, but it's a neat new medium for me to use. So uh, I hope you like it. You're going to be great.
1: <laughs> well, well, it's an honor. So thank you so much for this opportunity. And yeah, it's nice not having to get dressed and go into a new studio.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly right. This is way less pressure than going on some like TV interview. So um, no, it's gonna be awesome. And you are the executive director of community counseling center, uh, which I'm super excited for you to share more about that with everybody listening. But you guys are a big partner for dope. Um, We donate 1% of all of our sales to the incredible work that you guys are doing. So can you tell us a little bit more about CCC and uh, what the organization aims to do?
1: Absolutely. So Community Counseling Center uh, is a nonprofit mental health and substance abuse treatment facility. And this April 1st that just passed was our, actually our 30th anniversary. So we have been serving our local community for a long time now. Um, and really the organization, you know, I'm biased, but we do amazing work. We have such a tremendous staff uh, and the work they do really saves lives, uh, quite literally. Uh, So, we provide mental health counseling uh, for individuals, couples, families, and groups, uh, but also substance abuse treatment. Um, And we offer that in both levels one and two, so depending on the severity uh, of the addiction or the mental health issues that someone's dealing with, uh, we're able to provide all those services here. Another really important service that we provide the community is case management. And uh, through our case management program, we're able to link clients to uh, essential services they need in the community. And right now, it's proving to be uh, extremely important, uh, even more so than ever before, because uh, a lot of the work our case managers do is help people with their unemployment benefits, uh, help mm. get them linked to uh, medical care, insurance, Medicaid. Uh, Gosh, yeah. what help- were
0: the numbers in Nevada um, for unemployment in the first first week or two of this, it was like 300,000 or something.
1: Oh, it's, it's unbelievable. And, yeah. you know, that number grows every day. And I've talked with so many clients who, you know, talk about just, you know, your whole world turning upside down, all of a sudden this happens and uh, mm-hmm. you need money, you need your benefits. And, you know, when all that stops, uh, it's not like most people are told step by step, this is what you need to do. Uh, mm-hmm. so that's where our case managers come in and they have been so incredible in helping to get people, uh, linked where they need to go, uh, to get the benefits they need. Um, so really it's, it's such an essential service and, you know, our, I'm just so proud of our incredible staff for the great job that they do.
0: Yeah. You guys offer such a, um, variety of things, but at the core, you, you like you said, you are really helping people and you're really changing and in many ways, uh, and many times saving lives. And. It's really cool that you've been doing it for 30 years. I love that we announced our partnership together the month that DOPE turned three and you guys were turning 30. Uh,
1: (laughs) So we've got
0: a few years to go to catch up, but I hope we can do um, even a sliver of, uh, you know, the awesome impact you guys are having. So, um, you know, something else that you and I have gotten the chance to talk about, I found was fascinating is the lack of support in the areas you help from the state side, from the government side. Um, you had mentioned some stats around Nevada. Can you tell us a little bit more about um, Nevada and you know how that ranks as far as support on mental health care?
1: Well, the one that's really shocking um, is that Nevada actually ranks 51st behind all states and DC in accessibility to mental health care. So. You know, when we think, especially in a time right now where we're dealing with this global crisis and there's so much uncertainty, so much stress, anxiety, and it leads to depression, addictions, um, to already be ranked 51st in accessibility, it, we're already, you know, set back at such a disadvantage. But like you mentioned, uh, the the lack of funding, it's, it's just shocking. Uh, there's almost no funding for mental health uh, in Nevada uh, grants are so few and far between they're, they're incredibly uh, extremely competitive and then even when you get the grants there's so many barriers and challenges uh, to getting reimbursed for the services you've provided so you know we, we work with a very vulnerable client population and you throw all these stressors on top of that uh, but then at the end of the day when there's no funding to actually help them uh, Where that typically leaves us is in a really difficult spot where uh, ethically our policy is we never turn anyone away for inability to pay. And so we have to find a way to continue to provide services uh, at our expense uh, when we're already dealing with so many financial hardships and limitations so so the the problem you know it just it grows every year uh i've been at ccc now almost eight years and you know every year i have seen that increase and now we're going through this crisis and it really worries me about the the state of mental health and addiction treatment uh not even just in nevada but everywhere uh just unfortunately here in nevada we we are especially disadvantaged
0: yeah, it's a it's a scary time uh, to be in this sort of predicament. Not that I think any gears have been positive to be fifty first, but um, yeah, now more than ever, it's 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 so wild how much what's going on with the pandemic uh, is having an effect on on mental health um, across the board. And you know, some conversations I was having recently that um, it's not like you have to have or you know be um, Dealing with a mental illness, it's like anybody just trying to keep up their own mental health and just day-to-day check-ins, and um, that has become really strenuous. And uh, it's it's crazy that Nevada on the government side hasn't seen this as a priority in years past. Do you see anything changing in that realm? Like, what is the what's the next step? It can't go on like this forever, right? It's it's more pressing uh, than ever before, and can they keep turning a blind eye, putting the money elsewhere?
1: I I really don't. See how that's going to be possible. Uh, unfortunately, I think it, it's going to play out that way for a while. But you know what we're seeing is with the increase in serious mental illness uh, and addictions, uh, they oftentimes are always hand in hand, mm-hmm. and you know one exacerbates the other. Uh, but what happens then is a lot of people, you know, especially now, uh, they lose their jobs, they lose financial security. And a lot of people end up turning to substances uh, as a coping mechanism, which then, of course, you know, backfires because it sets them back even further, uh, worsens the mental health condition, and so what happens is we see a big increase in the homeless population. We see an increase in a lot of crime, um, and it's it's just the model we're under is not sustainable. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the the state- community
0: effects from it are, are pretty dramatic, like you said. Yeah.
1: Absolutely, and you know, the state and the federal government need to really step up uh, efforts to fund these services and make sure that people get access to the care they need, because we can't just keep abandoning people. Um, you know, it's it's the condition, the situation is just going to continue to worsen, and mm-hmm. you know, personally, I also think we're at a huge disadvantage because uh, mental health and substance uh, addictions come with a lot of stigma, unfortunately. And, mm-hmm. you know, even though it, you know, it's one of those great ironies that mental health is something that affects all of us, uh, not many of us are willing to, you know, go out on a limb and, you know, let it be known that it's a cause that's near and dear to our hearts and try to, you know, drum up attention and funding for it. A lot of people just want to sweep it away uh, because mm-hmm. of the stigma. And that, again, is another huge contributing factor uh, to the worsening state of affairs uh, with mental health and uh, addiction in our state. Yeah.
0: I mean, and that's exactly where I hope that uh, the work, like what I'm doing with Dope and and trying to use uh, any platform I can to talk about it a little bit louder and make it a little less scary. um, I hope those things start to tip and and the conversation gets uh, in front of the right people. Um, you know, I, I'd love to know what was your background before all this kind of why and how did you wind up, uh, where you are today?
1: Well, I have been a counselor for 15 years now. Um, so before that, I, I've always worked in nonprofits. Uh, I used to work in development, uh, in nonprofits, uh, media arts organizations, actually, uh, not in the uh, social services realm, but I had, uh, a background in volunteering in so, the social services, and you know, I just decided back when I was in development that it that really wasn't for me. That I really wanted, you know, as part of these organizations I volunteered with, I really wanted to find a way to do the work that they're doing and to give back in a different way. Uh, so my heart's always been a nonprofit, but you know, there's part of me that always just wanted to to have that different role to be a counselor. And um, so years ago, I, uh, I started grad school and fortunately, coincidentally, um, the school that I went to, Antioch University of Los Angeles, started the first ever uh, specialization in LGBTQ uh, counseling and psychology. And cool. so wow. I was really lucky because that had been an interest of mine. Uh, it's, it's a population I wanted to work with. And I was lucky to be able to be the first person to graduate from that program. And so I always had this drive to want to do that professionally uh, as a way to give back. And um, so, you know, years ago, did
0: you have anyone in your family that was a counselor or was this a totally new soiree? You got like engineering parents or something?
1: No, uh, like. Professional counselors, no, but, you know, I, I look at certain family members and I think, you know, they're they're kind of like counselors. You know, I, I think of my grandma in particular and hmm. the long talks we used to have. And so I think that kind of helped set me on that path. Uh,
0: yeah. That's a nice of, memory. Kind of like the uh, warmth of someone listening to you, giving some of that advice. And um, yeah, grandmas, they were always so wise. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so wise yeah. and interesting. And, and that's for me one of the, the joys of counseling is, is the connection and getting to learn someone's story, their journey, uh, the struggles mm-hmm. they've gone through, and how they cope. Uh, you know, for me, that's a gift to be able to share mm-hmm. in that experience. Um, so, you know, I continued years and years being a counselor. And when I moved to Vegas, I was so incredibly fortunate to come across. Uh, what I consider to be my dream job here at Community Counseling Center. Uh, so I had started in our uh, HIV testing program, which was brand new at the time, and then since moved up and up and up and uh, became executive director almost five years ago.
0: So cool. What a neat journey and um, really incredible about being the first to graduate with the LGBT um, counseling uh, element that they had done there. what What would you say? you know mental health has a lot of definitions, and I won't force you to try and uh, describe it by the book right now, but what does mental health mean to you personally?
1: Uh, the way I see mental health and and I think you know if this message could get out, it might help to remove the stigma. but mental health is something that affects all of us um, because it really it impacts the way you are in the world, how you see the world, how you see yourself. And so if people just think of mental illness and think of disorders and uh, you know, they pathologize it, uh, it does seem like something scary uh, that people don't want to, to pull in uh, and focus on. But if you see it from a place of your, your mental wellness, your mental health uh, is gonna be what helps you get out of bed in the morning, uh, to, to go to work, to you know, maintain your relationships, work toward goals and something positive and toward a life that you want and believe in that's mental health to me and so you know i've i've worked with clients who have struggled with very very serious uh mental illnesses and addictions uh but at the end of the day you know everyone just wants a better situation they want a life where they can be happy Uh, And it's not about material things. It's about just feeling a sense of belonging and comfort. And I think that, you know, if we can promote mental health, uh, not illness, but, you know, really health Mm -hmm. and wellness and getting people to that place, uh, that would be one of the things that helps normalize and remove stigma.
0: Yeah, it's like a transition from it being about like, uh, you know, you needing to go and solve a problem in therapy or something to... Uh, you wanting to get the tools to be successful elsewhere. So, and like ready for when things aren't so easy. Um, I think that overall, like the mindfulness and, um, you know, check-ins you can do with yourself make a huge impact on just how ready you're going to be to engage in other parts of your life and other relationships you have and things like that that you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So with everything you guys do uh, at CCC and how much of the um, support you provide is in person, what has the pandemic been like for you guys? And for anyone listening in the future, we are fresh in it, it's May 5th of 2020 and we've all been you know, in some form of lockdown across the country for the last month and a half or so. Um, I know maybe more now I'm losing track of time, but it's, it's changed a lot for a lot of businesses. So what's that been like for you guys? Uh,
1: well, I could say for me personally, uh, it has been every day is a transition, it's something new. Uh, And we're, we're finding our ways to get through and cope while simultaneously having to be there for clients uh, and be that, you know, that person to help them. So, you know, that's, that's always been the nature of therapy, but I think right now it's it's so heightened because Mm -hmm. this is so unprecedented. So we, none of us know when the end date is and everything goes back to quote unquote normal. We don't Mm -hmm. know what that's going to look like. And, So I think the thing that's been really challenging for me is uh, like I said, one of my biggest uh, appeals to counseling is being able to sit and connect with a person uh, to see them directly across from you and, you know, be Mm -hmm. able to read body language and see expressions and, you know, to really feel that direct communication and literally overnight that all disappeared. And, um, you know, we we made a, a tough decision one day uh, when the state uh, made the announcement that you know, for the safety of our staff and clients, we we have to do the same. So quite literally, overnight, we we launched a telehealth platform that we've been talking about doing for years, and we had no choice but to dive right yeah. in, and we did it. it. Pushes and
0: you along, huh? <laughs> it
1: really does, and yeah. you know, I I gotta say, you know, I'm really. Proud of the job everyone is doing. Um, You know, we're we're still able to help all those same clients and many new ones that have come through. Uh, But it's it's so heartbreaking too to be on a telehealth uh, session with someone who always asks the same question every week: is When are we going to see and meet in person again? This is so hard, and you know it's hard because I'm I'm feeling those same feelings too, and it's. You know, it's it's heartbreaking. It, it changes everything, and I, none of us saw this coming. And uh, I really long for the day when we can actually sit with a client again. Uh, but right now, we have to do what we have to do, and you know, it's it's a matter of keeping everyone safe.
0: Yep. I I was wondering, you know, like, it makes me think broader beyond just now during the pandemic, but how hard is that just day to day as, um, you know, a counselor or therapist, like having to have stuff going on in your own mind and then be present and be there for someone who needs you as a, as a client or patient, um, what's that, that balance usually like for you?
1: Oh, that's, it's a tough one. It um, sounds like
0: the hardest part to me. I'm thinking like when I'm having yeah. a day, I don't want to hear anybody else's problems. You know, it's <laughs> like, you've got to be really selfless in the moment to, to try and pull your so, feelings away.
1: So I think there's a couple things and, and, you know, even pre pandemic, I think this was the case, but uh, when you're a counselor, you, you have to get used to hearing a lot of things that are going to weigh you down. And you're going to have to find, you know, healthy ways to manage that and compartmentalize and be able to find your coping strategies to get you through it. Uh, right now, it's that to the extreme because, you know, there, there are days when I wake up and I think, oh, my God, we're still in this. Like you wake up from a dream and you realize, oh, it's still, you know, this the same situation, the same day. And, you know, you it's really heavy. Uh but you know, you have to get up. You have to get to the office early. You have a full calendar of appointments, and while you're already dealing with a lot of that pressure, one appointment after the another after another is reminders of the panic, the fear, the uncertainty, and you know, to be able to do your best to you know compose yourself and realize that you know, your job is to be there for your client. Um, but I also feel like you know we learn a lot from our clients, and they help us grow. Uh, so for that, I'm grateful. But yeah, it's yeah. it's very tough on certain days where you know it's just you're inundated with a lot of the the cloud of fear and uncertainty, mm-hmm. and you know it causes you to start to really you know be stuck in that as well. So that's why I really try to like turn inward and check in on my emotions and where I'm at and focus on self-care and the things I need to do to stay in that more positive mind frame to get through this.
0: Mm-hmm. One way or another. And I yeah. totally agree. It feels like, oh man, we're still in it. And, you know, dope has a storefront on the, the strip and that's a very fluid date at this point of when the casinos will reopen. So yeah, it's um, easy to kind of like have a, have my mind start swirling on that and um, you're in a really interesting position, because it's probably some advice you're giving to some patients that you're talking to, mm-hmm. uh, to not get into so much of the news, and don't be so, you know, dragged down by it, but then, you know, by way of uh, of your position, you sort of have to be in it all day, so those tips to check in with yourself, um, just like, you know, for me, I find like the moments of just take a minute of silence and and stop with your eyes closed and really feel how you're feeling can make a world of difference. How do you do that? What's your tip to check in with yourself and um, what's some of the self-love you've been giving during so this time?
1: I have a couple of my go-to strategies. Uh, I, uh, I got to get my okay.
0: pen and paper ready. <laughs> <on>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so over, over a year ago, I started to really get into walking. Um, you know, I just, I, I wanted that to clear my head and do something healthy and try to lose weight, all those you know, good things. Mm-hmm. And I've been able to maintain that and then I really started to get into exercise in the gym, but now that's not there. So mm-hmm. I, I've just made it a point to f- continue to do what I realistically can, which is walking, for example. Uh, but my walks are very meditative. Um, I use those as my my times to think. Uh, to plan what I need to do for work or, you know, in my own uh, relationship Um, for my clients, thinking, you know, what can I do to help better serve them? Uh, But I also just try to really look around and focus on, you know, the mindful breathing, uh, looking around at, you know, things that catch my attention and uh, to really be present in that moment in the traditional mindful sense of without judgment or criticism But just allowing it to be, and um, for me, that personally, that really helps me build a sense of appreciation and gratitude. And so I I focus on doing that every day. Um, And then, you know, every now and then, I'll I'll just take that moment where I have to do the the mindful breathing at my desk, just calm myself. Uh, I've been doing a lot of reading, (laughs) Uh, so I just try to focus on the things that you know really speak to me. Uh, it's different for everyone. Um, but I think in times like this, you really just have to look at, you know, what, what are the things that speak to me, my interest, uh, things that are healthy and positive where I can sprinkle those in throughout my day and it helps to calm my mind and put me in a better place.
0: Mm-hmm. So, uh,
1: so those are the things I focus on.
0: Yeah. And one thing you mentioned, like losing the the gym, for example, or, uh, whatever those things were for someone that were their their moment of calm or their check-in point or the way to keep kind of the stress at level for so many it really is the gym so those being closed was um, I think a massive thing for a lot and certainly in our household um, my husband and i are are avid gym goers and we were previously training for a triathlon which you know obviously it's been canceled because it would have been this month so uh, like everything else in 2020 it was canceled but not having that routine of being able to work out so regularly, um, which is such a stress reliever, that uh, that's been really tough. And finding ways to not one be so hard on myself because it's really easy to beat yourself up for suddenly, you know, not meeting the same uh, expectations you had, or you know, gaining a few pounds because I'm sitting most of the day, or you know, whatever it is, um, trying to be a little easier and then finding new ways. We've actually gotten into walking as well. Uh, It's been a great way um, is works in the business with me. So we take walks sometimes as like a brain clearing, like strategy session or um, sometimes more of like the meditative type to just walk and and not think too much about our own stuff. Um, Really, really good, good tips. Um, I'd also love to hear if you have any guidance on discussing mental health. So just, I think there's some do's and don'ts uh, to live by when it comes to talking about mental health and um, who better to hear those from than you. Do you have any uh, guidelines in that that area?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I would definitely avoid any uh, uh, way in which we typically tend to stigmatize it oftentimes without thinking. So, you know, the the pejorative words like crazy um, and, you know, and other negative terms where people describe uh, really what is just someone going through a difficult time and needs extra support. Um, So I I would really focus on the fact that, you know, to normalize mental health issues that there's not a single one of us, they don't affect. Um, Because I think a lot of times people think, oh, mental health, you know, you must be talking about like schizophrenia or something. I don't have that. Mm -hmm. Um, But likely, uh, like any American in this day and age, uh, you certainly have stress. You have anxiety, um, depression uh, and addictions. Uh, You know, addiction is something that really, I think, affects uh, definitely the most of us. And so, you know, just letting it be known to other people that you are more sensitive and aware of these and to focus on the fact that uh, we're all impacted. And so, therefore, it makes sense that we all do our best to, you know, turn to one another uh, and offer support. Um, I, I think that would really help the conversation and get people a lot more comfortable with facing these issues.
0: Mm-hmm. Sort of like a lightness around it, no negative words associated with it, and um, one thing I even we caught myself in the last uh, podcast of this series that I was working on. I said something about, well, I don't want to be, um, you know, where's the border between being overly emotional? And it was sort of like, is there an overly emotional? <laughs> you know, dove into a conversation on, you know, there's really uh, no cap to how much pain or emotion or joy or any of those things you can feel. So um, it's sometimes the littlest things that can really start to reframe how an overall like society and, and culture feels about um, a certain topic. So those yes, are some absolutely. good tips. And I, yeah. and I
1: think really, uh, the, the key here is we need empathy, uh, compassion and self-compassion. So like a little while ago, you were just mentioning, you know, oh, you haven't been able to go to the gym. And, you know, that uh, I, I hear that a lot from people and they get really hard on themselves because they think, oh, I'm gaining weight. I'm, I'm losing all the progress I made. And, you know, there's this cycle of uh, emotional abuse that we put ourselves in. And, you know, I always encourage uh, clients in those times to to really focus on, you um, finding, finding more compassion for yourself and, you know, realizing that you're, you're just a a human being who's going through a difficult time with, with all the rest of us. And, you know, you might not be achieving the exact same goals you had previously, but you need to continue to develop that self-compassion, that self-worth and value and love yourself and the contributions that you can make. I think a lot of times we lose sight of what we're realistically able to do to help because we replace it with, you know, these other goals that, you know, at the moment might have to be on hold and that's okay. Uh, We just need to remind ourselves that that's okay and that it'll pass and you'll get through it.
0: Yeah. It's like the power of self-talk, you know, what you say to yourself becomes true and uh, like hearing things over and over again about how you're not good enough is just slowly but surely keeping you Uh, keeping you down in that world. So very powerful what we're, what we're telling ourselves. Um, To anybody who's out there listening, uh, if you had one piece of advice to pass on, sort of like a mantra to live by, um, you had mentioned something about uh, considering what your role is uh, in any situation. I think that's really powerful.
1: Well, uh, that's always been my go-to. I'm Everyone here kind of pokes fun at me because they know, oh, eventually he's going to ask that question. And um, so for me, that's always been an important question because uh, it's one that helps you uh, be introspective and reflect on how you might have contributed to a cer- certain situation. And so, you know, we've all been there before where we've had arguments with our loved ones, our friends, and we, we get so emotionally, you know, uh, overwhelmed and heated and, you know, our knee trick reaction is to blame and, you know, kind of blow the scene up out of proportion. But if we can actually have that moment where we can stop and reflect, uh, but ask ourselves the real tough, honest question is, well, what was my role in that? You know, if, if it's two people, both both contributed something, uh, all the blame can't be on one person. So, you you know, you have to ask that honest question. And for me, you know, I'll I'll stop and it'll dawn on me like, Oh, I I I didn't really listen to what they were saying. I just jumped in and you know, didn't let them get a give have a full opportunity to express what they needed to and that triggered a reaction. And so, you know, then it would make me stop and reflect like, wow, that that was a learning moment and I want to go back to that person and, and express, you know, I f- I feel like in that moment, you know, maybe I did this or didn't do that. And I feel like that contributed to the tensions, and for that I'm very sorry. And I, you know, I want to learn from this. So hmm. that's that,
0: such a soft way to get to what I'm sure ends up being also an apology on their side, right? It's sort of like if you go down and are able to realize what you did in it, maybe the other side also would then realize, you know, um, absolutely what role, it, it, what it, role it, they played in it. It's kind of like a you meet in the middle.
1: It it definitely helps with that because I think it's very humbling because you know mm. you you actually have a moment to stop and realize oh, okay I, I played a big role in that argument or whatever it was mm-hmm. um, you know even in the workplace you'll you'll hear you know someone complain about this other person what they did and you know but when you really like actually get people to sit down face to face and be able to own up to well this was my role in that. Uh, you know, it helps in most cases to help ease the mind of the other person. And then they also start to reflect. Mm-hmm. And that's where you really start to get an honest flow of communication. And, you know, it, it's it allows us to be vulnerable and be okay with being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I think we are able to understand each other a lot better in that mindset than in the, you know, egocentric mindset of, you know, you you hurt my ego, and now I need to lash out.
0: Mm-hmm. It's like fire meets with fire, you know, and then you just both can't can't come down. Do you and use these you tips burn. at home? I feel like this is uh yeah. And then you both like burn. This is incredible relationship <laughs> advice. <laughs> this is a new podcast.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So I I have been very happily married for ten years this year, um, and like with all couples, you know, we have our moments still where we'll have disagreements. Uh, and you know, at the end of it, we realize it, it was all so minor and so petty. And you know, yeah. we, we pay attention to things like maybe how something was said a certain way not even the words, but just the way it was delivered and how that can be triggering for some people. And you know, to stop and reflect, like, okay, you know, he's right, I, I could have said that differently, I could have said it better. Um, I was. You know, influenced by you know series of negative things that happened in the day and that was weighing on me. and you know, I didn't respond the way I should have. And you know, it gets me to stop, take that moment, uh, own up to my part, and apologize. And you know, and I, I feel like that, kind of like you said earlier, it, it kind of goes both ways at that point. So I think in terms of uh, relationships, because uh, I love couples counseling, <laughs> that's uh, that's always been a very helpful question uh, in getting couples to be honest with each other.
0: Yeah, I, I'm going to use it. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> will Thank you too. I think that's a great one. Um, so all the work you've done. I mean, you've had uh, eight years now with TCC and um, many more years before that. I'm sure in in the field. You know, what's the legacy you hope to leave behind? Uh, many years from now?
1: Oh, great question. Um, I I would say the first thing that comes to mind is going back to uh, where Nevada is, for example, uh, with treating mental health issues and uh, addictions. Um, It's just a disaster. Um, The state isn't doing anything to fix it. They hear our complaints, uh, but mental health addiction seems to unfortunately be one of those things that always gets pushed aside and funding goes elsewhere. Uh, I would love for uh, one of my legacies to be being one of those people to help change it. Um, Mm -hmm. Really uh, getting the word out about the importance of raising awareness of mental health and addiction treatment, uh, normalizing it, removing the stigma, um, letting people see it from a, a standpoint kind of like you would your physical health. Um, you know we, we all go to the doctors and most of us talk openly about health issues we're, we're dealing with uh, but we, we really sweep the mental health and addiction issues under the rug and ignore it so so that would be a, a legacy I would be incredibly proud to have uh, and I want to do my best over these many coming years to work toward that.
0: So awesome. I look forward to watching that journey and uh, championing you in any way I can through that. Um, is there anything else you'd want to share that we didn't touch on today?
1: Well, uh, I just really want, uh, again, to stick with that message you know, of, of the importance of being able to reach out and ask for help and that there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and I, I want the public to know that we we are still providing all of our services through telehealth uh you know for the safety of our staff and for our clients so i so i don't want people to think that in a time like this you know everything is put on hold and not happening uh we we are deemed essential workers and we we have not closed our doors once and we're continuing to see as many clients as we can uh, working very very long hours and so i just want people to know that if you need help, please reach out. Uh, we, we always do our best to get people in right away, same day, and get them set up with a counselor, with groups, with anything they need, uh, case management to get them linked to the other services they might need in the community. Um, but you know, a really interesting uh, side note, uh, and I, I told you this when you came to visit us at CCC, uh, but I'd, I'd love for your uh, listeners to hear it. Uh, Our organization actually was formed in response to a pandemic. So back in 1990, uh, during some of the worst days of the AIDS epidemic, um, our founder at the time uh, was working at an organization where he was told, uh, we don't want to help those people, meaning people, uh, AIDS patients. And so he was instructed to tell them to leave. And instead, he did the right thing. And he formed his own organization and took all those clients with him, and so Community Counseling Center really started as an aid service organization. Uh, you know, back then our focus was helping people uh, transition uh, to death because there there were no treatments at the time, and you know we were losing clients all the time back in that day. But but the the whole reason we exist is it was a response to a global pandemic uh, at a very uncertain, scary time. And fortunately, we are in a very different face of the AIDS pandemic. Uh, There's a lot of great treatments out there. And our focus within our community health program, uh, specifically in HIV, uh, because that's still a big part of what we do today. Is focused on health and wellness and getting people, you know, to eat right and exercise and uh, manage their HIV. And you know, 30 years later, April 1st, here we are, and very unexpectedly thrown into another global pandemic. And I'm very confident that we are all going to get through this, uh, and I, I feel that we'll even be better for it. Um, but I, I just feel like that is kind of the heart and soul of community counseling center. Is when when a crisis arises, we step up and we have amazing people that work here and amazing people like you who are connected to us. And I'm so truly, truly grateful uh, for you and all that you're doing.
0: Well, right back at you. And it looks like pandemic to pandemic CCC has asked what their role in it is. So you guys have really stepped up to like, figure out what your role is in, in providing the support that's needed in, um, trying times and, and all the time. So really great stuff. And, uh, thank you so much. Your first podcast, you did it.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Um,
0: yeah. And a quick shout out for mental health awareness month. Um, For anybody listening in May, we are doubling our donation to Community Counseling Center every Monday in May for Mental Health Monday. And on Mondays, you can join in on DOPE's Instagram story for a chance to win some free cookie dough. No one's mad about that. (laughs) Uh, And a few uh, mental health-focused giveaways that we're working on. So um, yeah, head over to DOPE's Instagram. And if you're looking for more information on Community Counseling Center, where can they hit you guys up, Patrick?
1: So we are online at uh, www.cccofsn.org, so that's three C's of Southern Nevada.org, and our direct line is 702-369-8700, and we're open Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. And one one quick thing to add about the website, Uh, we have moved all of our intake paperwork uh onto the website so it's just a direct click on it fill it out uh it's all sent through a hipaa compliant uh system to our front end staff uh, who will process it and you'll be contacted and scheduled for an intake and then set up with counseling so it's all uh contactless it's quick and efficient and um we're here we're ready to help
0: and for anyone listening outside of nevada what what is the region that you guys support we do have some listeners out and about.
1: <laughs> so we can provide service uh, anywhere in the state of Nevada um, because of licensing requirements and Medicaid rules. Uh, because Before this, when we didn't have telehealth, it was really just limited to the Las Vegas area. Uh, but we're now reaching out into the rural areas. Uh, Nevada is one of those states that have a lot of people living way out in the middle of nowhere uh, mm-hmm. that have no access to uh, services like ours. And so we, you know, that's another incredibly important reason why we moved to this platform. uh, So we can be able to provide those people with the care that they need.
0: Amazing stuff. Patrick, you're the best. I hope to see you soon when all this is over.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much. You are the best. And this has been an honor. So keep up your great work. I do appreciate you
0: whoa thanks for listening to that whole podcast you rock all right we hope you're leaving here today with even a smidge more inspiration than when you showed up if you did my job is done here subscribe to our podcast follow us at eat dope and if you're craving some cookie dough and i mean when are you not order at dope.com it's d-o-u-g-h-p.com and use code sober podcast for 10% off have a dope day